صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 اي ام اند باليستاين ريمبرد وذ روبرت مارتن ناصر مشني اند يوسف احمد الريماوي Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in to, to 3CR and Palestine Remembered and reminding our listeners that this is uh, Australia's only dedicated radio show to Palestine. Uh, this morning, I'm coming to you live um, the day before we commemorate uh, Invasion Day uh, and a very important day for um, uh, Indigenous, the Indigenous First Nations people, but also all of their supporters and understand that we're living on land that was never ceded, uh, stolen land, and, and no treaty has been uh, offered or signed. Um, first, I want to apologise on behalf of my co-presenters, Robert uh, and Yusuf, um, who we've struggled a little bit uh, uh, this year to get going, but we're, we're up and back and hopefully be able to give you the regular sort of content that you, uh, our listeners uh, want to hear about. So um, thank you for bearing with us and uh, be sure to stay tuned. Um, but first of all, we need to uh, talk about Invasion Day and, and just how important that is for all activists and particularly people who support the Palestinians who might not realise the parallels that exist between what happened to the Palestinians in Palestine and the uh, ongoing tragedy and I, I call it an ongoing genocide of what's happening to our Indigenous and First Nations people in Australia. So very importantly, if you're in Melbourne tomorrow, join me and Uh, my family and friends, uh, and, and I expect tens of thousands of other um, uh, solidarity activists and, and friends of um, our Indigenous First Nations people between 11 and 2pm tomorrow, Sunday, the 26th Invasion Day at Parliament House in Spring Street. Um, very, very important for us to send a very big message uh, to, to those in power that um, we do not accept that uh, a day that saw uh, 65,000 years of continuous um, civilization. that we accept that that is the day when Australia was discovered. Um, it wasn't. It was a day, a day of tragedy. Um, and, and to give some of our listeners, we've spoken about this before, the concept where some of the parallels are. And I found out about this late, late last year, but... We're all, you know, Palestinian supporters understand and know what the Balfour Declaration is, you know, the infamous uh, promising by one person to another person, a third person's home. Um, but I'll, I'll read that out again. And Lord Balfour uh, uh, offered this to uh, uh, Lord Rothschild. Uh, His Majesty's government view with favour the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavours to facilitate the achievement of this object. It being clearly understood, nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine or the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country. Um, and I found recently a um, what's called the Letters Patent, and this was um, signed by King William IV in 1836, February of 1836, and, and it says eerily 
that um, provided always that nothing in those our letters patent contained shall affect or be construed to affect the rights of any Aboriginal natives of the said province to the actual occupation or enjoyment in their own persons or in the persons of their descendants of any lands therein now actually occupied or enjoyed by such natives. Now, I reckon in 180 years since those letters patent, I reckon there's a, a few um, natives, in inverted commas, who might say that they have not actually uh, enjoyed their occupation. Um, sadly, the uh, concept of uh, a superior uh, intellect or society or civilization that is the, the predication of mm-hmm. um, colonialism and uh, genocide uh, it continues to exist in that white superiority complex. And if we, you know, importantly to talk about um, what we base that concept on, the concept of settler colonialism, and we've got a number of different examples. And, you know, if you want to go back to the concept of British India, where you had a, a very small military force and a huge population, indigenous population. So in British India, they went in, the, 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 the Brits went into India, excuse me, with massive violence. Our concept was we're going to take the resources, we're bringing civilization and religious to, to the natives, and um, uh, until such time as the people get the means to expel them. So we saw the, the independence of India, but obviously uh, the partition of that area into East and West Pakistan, which, you know, Bangladesh, and leaving a festering wound in Kashmir to make sure that there's never any real, real peace there. So you move beyond the, the British India sort of concept of uh, settler colonialism. You get the American-Australian model, which is the complete or near-complete genocide of the indigenous people. So where in India there were so many Indians that they couldn't kill everybody, well, you know, the 100 million uh, uh, Native Americans were, that were slaughtered in the uh, march from east to west and the civilization inverted commas of the United States through to what what was what occurred as we know with the hundreds of uh, massacres around Australia of the indigenous people so you get that the complete and near genocide of all peoples and then you've got the the third model which is the Israeli model and that's where you kill and ethnically cleanse the land for the sole use of the new colonialist people and so you have you know from um, the Zionist Irgun and Haganah Stern Gang, those terrorist organisations that committed the massacres and the uh, ethnic cleansing that predated um, uh, 1948 and uh, the creation of the State of Israel. Um, you have uh, uh, a land that you know, is, is cleansed of its indigenous people. Um, and then you have the, um, you know, the South African version when you fail at plan A or plan B, you end up with apartheid. So what you do is you herd the remaining people into an area and you um, create reservations or uh, bantustans. You deprive them of rights and resources and then you um, demean, marginalise, create situations that seize them want to flee. And so what you have now in, in, in Palestine uh, is within 48 Palestine or Israel proper, if you will, um, you know, 20% of the population that's uh, condensed to within 3% of the land, their, their cities and societies and civil infrastructure doesn't get the resources and uh, um, of similar Jewish neighbourhoods. Um, we haven't had a single Arab town 
or city uh, opened since um, uh, uh, the inception of the State of Israel. Um, and you've had hundreds, obviously, of um, Israeli or Jewish settlements uh, spring up all over, including, obviously, within the West Bank. Um, and so, ultimately, you end up with the situation where we're where, uh, creating a circumstance that sees the indigenous people seeking to leave. And they seek to leave, in, in the first instance, to uh, get away from violence. They um, seek to um, build a better life for their families and children uh, because those opportunities are denied them within their ancestral homes. Um, uh, interestingly, I was, ta- I was reading some stuff on genocide and the parallels between the, the genocide that is ongoing within Australia, and remembering that tomorrow is Invasion Day, we'd love to see you down at Parliament House. Um, I read something by Bryn Tainhill, and, and she, she studies genocide, and more accurately, the conditions that lead up to a genocide, and the common themes and patterns that you know usually happen within a society to get to, to this point. And, and I want you to, as I talk through these points, just think about the parallels that exist today in the language we hear from, from Morrison, from Boris Johnson, from um, uh, ScoMo, from you know the the sort of leaders that now exist in the in the West, a real rightist sort of government, and then compare that. The next level is what we're hearing out of um, in Israel from Netanyahu and Benny Gantz. Uh, uh, one of two, one of uh, either of those guys is going to be the prime minister of the state of Israel come March next year. Um, so the common themes usually happens uh, in emic economically distressed country with you know falling standards of living for some people. There's a, a rise in infant mortality, which is an indicator. Uh, the politicians start enacting populist uh, messaging about us and them. Uh, the narratives start placing blames on on the situation as it exists for us on them. They're less worthy somehow. Um, and we've got to yearn for a mythological, uh, mythological past, you know. Remember when it was so great, you know, make America great again. Um, and it's a, this tactic shores up support within this, you know, call it a dog whistle, uh, silent majority or minority. And the others suddenly become, you know, we start calling them criminals and perverts. And, you know, they're threats to women and children. They're disgusting. They're unworthy of empathy. And anyone who supports these uh, vulnerable minorities is suddenly attacked with, how could you, you know, support these degenerates? Um, and it effectively undercuts the solidarity movement, but also, you know, c- creates an isolation. So if you're, if you're at work and you, you put up your hand and say, you know, I'm really against uh, Manus or Nauru or, you know, the separation of children, in, you know, by um, uh, American border guards, you, you, you become ostracized and singulated, you know, how can you support these degenerates? You know, why are they coming here? And so um, it really takes a, an emotional toll on, on, on those that w- want to speak, but also um, is, is a, a challenge to us to actually stay firm. Um, so aside from being that challenge, the government then starts modifying the courts to ensure that they can uh, block things. So we've seen, you know, as we know, many different, um, whether it was the, Medivac, the repealing of the Medivac uh, almost immediately upon uh, well, one of the first acts of... Uh, this most new parliament. Um, and so it, it just makes it that much harder. 
So in the 20th and 21st century, you know, as far as uh, genocide doesn't really go from zero to all out slaughter. That doesn't happen in a blink of an eye. Um, even in Rwanda, we, we saw the, the, um, the anti-Tutsi propaganda started some 10, 15 years beforehand. Um, the plan for slaughter actually starts taking place in the mid-90s, and, and, and countries were just standing around doing nothing, you know, hearing this sort of stuff, but not actually uh, making any commentary. Um, but in countries where there's some sort of uh, ostensibly functional democracy, the, phrase, the, the phases are slower. First, you've got to start with some propaganda, you know, supported with things like government reporting the crimes committed against people they target. Uh, there's public safety measures, be alert, not alarmed. Um, and then we've got to get people, you know, uh, get militarised the police forces, um, uh, revoking basic civil rights, you know, the right to protest suddenly is becoming, you know, whether it's uh, Brisbane climate change, uh, whether it's uh, in Sydney, you know, we had David Trubridge, a, a member of uh, parliament there, arrested for attending Kirribilli House. So we start making things just that little bit harder, just ever so slightly. Um, then you establish a target group uh, that has less civil rights than every other member of the population. So we start saying, okay, those leftists, you know, whether it was get up going up to Queensland and saying um, we've got to make um, the climate part of the next election. So you're now one of those leftists. You know, go get a job. What, you know, how come you protest? It's not possible, of course, that some leftist, inverted comment, chose to give up a day of annual leave, chose to take um, a day out of their life, whether they're studying or working or caring for a family member, and chose because of an importance of uh, uh, a topic to attend a rally or demonstration. You know, they're obviously unwashed, unkept, and uh, homeless or unemployed. They're, they've become othered. Um, so you, you, you get that, you know... Uh, isolation of those people, and then and then you, you start. Aside from creating that second second class, um, we now make it harder for them to get education. So let's let's increase school fees. Let's make um, hex even more. Let's monetize universities so that um, we we can dumb down our society. Jobs become um, scarce. Um, we create you know vast zones where the minority might be for, forbidden. You know, like in the concept of. Uh, public life we might then might start tell, telling them to wear ids you know so make it very clear for us who the other is um uh, and if this sounds familiar this you know we're talking eerily like germany in the 30s but you should also remember that you know germany in the 30s modeled those laws on u.s segregation systems you know we're talking about the deep south police now start harassing and targeting the minorities and remember the climate change um, protest last year, we had pictures of police officers, you know, um, showing uh, uh, white supremacist tags, you know, with um, uh, EAD, you know, ETA D um, on their on their badges. Um, the police start harassing. They use ex- over um, zealous, uh, um, well, militaristic and violent actions to to uh, move people on. Uh, again. Uh, creating an otherness, and the goal. I mean, look, it's 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 um it's it's to get people not to act. Um, people and and ultimately the population becomes numb to it. So that level of violence becomes uh, something that the vast majority just doesn't see. I mean, when you think about Manus and Nauru, and we're you know coming into eight plus years now where. 
people who have a, a humanitarian right to seek um, uh, asylum, to flee persecution, that we lock them up in, in you know, not even third world, perhaps even fourth world conditions. Um, so you're creating the situation where people get silenced and they perhaps want to even leave. And this is, the, you know, the beginning of a cultural genocide. The minority disappears and they're left with this really vocal majority. Now, the next steps, how it happens, you know, become irrelevant. Whether it's mass killings, whether it's detentions, whether it's camps, is it um, killing fields, is it, you know, what happened uh, in, in, in Myanmar to the Rohingyas, it just starts happening. You know, you get rising infant mortality, um, the us versus them mentality, um, and, and ultimately, if all this sounds familiar... Uh, sounds like something you've heard before. It's the very real reality of an Indigenous person's struggle for rights in their ancestral home ancestral lands in Australia. It's also, it's also, the reality of Palestinians in Palestine. And and uh, you know, just to a co- by by way of commentary, you know, we've got a lawyer, businesswoman, Josephine Cashman, you know, who. Um, is an indigenous woman who is, uh, for my taking, uh, you know, one of one of the worst indigenous people you might ever listen to, hear, or see. Where she refers uh, Bruce Pascoe, who uh, uh, many might know as a, a fabulous indigenous person and author of Dark Emu. And if you haven't read it, please, you know, get online and get it, buy it, read it, uh, borrow it from your library. She refers um, Bruce Pascoe to her mate uh, Dutton, who then refers it through to the AFP because there's, um, she's not sure that um, he's actually Indigenous and he's profited from Indigenous uh, um, uh, grants and so he's, he's um, uh, received uh, money um, uh, illegally. Now, um, we've heard over, uh, over on Friday into Saturday that the AFP has dropped the investigation. I mean, remember this, this woman, Joe Cashman, has referred to Andrew Bolt as an elder. So anybody that could actually do that is immediately, I think, um, somebody we shouldn't be listening to. Um, and just this week, um, uh, 40 international world leaders rushed to, the occupy, to occupy Jerusalem to express remorse over the Holocaust. Um, and and to, for what happened, six million uh, uh, European Jews who were exterminated by by the Nazis, um, they, they rushed to, to Jerusalem to say sorry. And they should say sorry, but they should be saying sorry in Europe. They should be saying sorry in, in, in Palestine. And they should be saying sorry to the Palestinians for making the Palestinians suffer for the crimes that Europe committed. Israel didn't exist during the Holocaust. There was no Israeli representatives. There, there was no Israel. We've been having to, um, to uh, suffer the pain for it. And these um, leaders, they came to um, uh, Yad Vashem, and this takes place only a few kilometres from um, Der Yassin, on stolen land, uh, uh, Yad Vashem, on Ain Karam. But, and the, the people that were ethnically cleansed from Ain Karam live just a few miles away, less than four hours' walk. Less than four hours' walk um, in a refugee camp in, in, in uh, the West Bank. Did they apologise to them for the creation of the State of Israel that saw these people ethnically cleansed? Less than a kilometre away from the Holocaust Memorial is Der Yassin, which was one of the um, 
number one massacres, if you will, that created or empowered uh, the Zionist terrorist gangs to ethnically cleanse Palestine? Did they um, visit Deir Yassin and say sorry there to those people? Um, and they know. Of course they know. The Palestinians continue to suffer the sins of Europe. Did they, any, one of, any one of them say anything for uh, today's open-air prison, some say concentration camp that is Gaza, where two million people sit imprisoned uh, for now coming into its 12th year? There's no sorry there. Um, no cameras went to take there. You know, um, uh, No leader, not Macron, not Charles, nobody went to Gaza. Um, and and with all this Holocaust uh, um, commemoration services, Netanyahu used it, used his time speaking to commemorate the 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 the, the death, and he did say never again, but never again to Jews, not never again to anyone, not never again to Palestine, because you know he presides over a, a government that uh, ensures that Palestinians. Uh, live today in an apartheid state where they're not represented, um, don't get to vote, are killed, etc., on a daily basis. But he used this as a major platform to call for war against Iran. His um, his uh, speech was riddled with all of the um, anti-Iran uh, propaganda you might imagine. So, um, really, really sad. And we've only got a few minutes left, and I, I, I really want to um, read something a dear friend of mine, Michaela, wrote last year about what Palestinians should know about Invasion Day. And, and these are the, the words of Michaela. I'm struggling to align my thoughts about January 26th, but I want to say a few words in solidarity with the people, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, on whose hospitality all of us who are not Indigenous to this land rely, and whose hospitality we and the Australian settler state have serially abused along with Indigenous lives and property for 231 years and counting. Tomorrow is a day when we are invited to demonstrate our solidarity with First Peoples of this country, to reject a national holiday that celebrates and refines the founding tenets of this modern nation-state, colonialism, land expropriation, genocide and white supremacy, as unchanged and representative of Australia's national and cultural values in 2019. Rejecting the premise of these celebrations does not cure the foundational violence on which Australia was forged, but it does enable us to make a choice about the contemporary values that should be fostered into our future. What happens daily and weekly in Australia is evidence of the sickness at the heart of our government's institutions. We post memes about the number of women killed annually in domestic violence situations, but as someone put to me recently, funding for women in domestic violence literally requires you to be chased around by an axe murderer to qualify. She's not talking figuratively. She's referring to a well-publicised case in Canberra Someone said to me recently that if we rebranded this as terrorism, it'd be all over in the next five minutes. Terrorism doesn't even need fatalities to get funded. It's the more high-profile murders of young women, fewer in number, most recently the murder of a Palestinian woman, Aya Masrawi, to whom an appalling injustice was done by, in, by incorrectly identifying who she was. As people fought about this identity, Aya could not be grieved and celebrated. But the contestation and erasure of her identity when it came to the Australian media, seemed most of all to be that it was a massive inconvenience. Because one settler colonial state doesn't want to ask about the apartheid that it unashamedly practised at law in another settler colonial state, much less acknowledge the identity of people whose presence contradicts that story because populations with counterclaims keep reminding settler colonial states that they will never 
not be settler colonial states. Settler colonial states hate to be reminded, reminded of who they are. These are not aberrations or attributable to individuals. They are part of the ongoing violence of Australian values and infrastructure, systems that, that don't adequately fund people in need of protection or care to acknowledge who people are. These stories are mirrored by two centuries of atrocity to the Indigenous people of this land. But for the most part, these stories are not my stories to tell, yet facing so many urgent issues for which there is insufficient recognition and utterly inadequate funding, it turns out that we have we do have money for is reenacting historic events that never happened. Quite a bit of money, apparently, nearly $7 million. The markers of violence in this state are part of the ordinary and everyday. In recent years, great interventions have taken have made to highlight the role of Cook or so-called explorers in the colonial project of dispossession and self-aggrandizement on which this state rests. What comes to mind on the eve of national commemoration on our own settler di- disgrace relates to the practice of naming. The practice of naming is one I'm familiar with in the Palestinian context, that the streets of Tel Aviv are signposts, signposted with architects of the state's butchery and dispossession. The people invite me to meet me on those streets without imagining for a moment the anxieties those names provoke to a Palestinian. Australia is no different. In Alice Springs, there is Wilshire Street named after Constable William Wilshire, who was at the height of Australia's frontier wars, responsible for a vast number of Aboriginal deaths in serious violent circumstances. Settler states celebrate their bloodbaths and dishonesty without a trace of shame. And most of us never notice the representational violence that surrounds us. It's celebrated and suppressed and concurrently so that we might terrorise one group of people while raising no apprehension in another. Whilst I learned of Wilshire Street, I asked a friend in Alice Springs if it was central. She replied that it wasn't a main one, but it was notorious for its violence. When we speak those names, we naturalise and affirm colonial narrative. But more than that, we reenact the settler colonial complex of violence. We suppress Indigenous narrative or we naturalise the violence through which white Australia has fought to raise the real holders of title to this land. If we do not reject this disgrace and violence, it's our disgrace and violence. So, friends, listeners, be sure to join us tomorrow, 11 to 2 o'clock, State Parliament to protest Invasion Day. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. G'day listeners, this is Johnny Mack. Be sure to tune in to Invasion Day 2020 broadcast here on 3CR from 9am to 4pm on Sunday 26th of January. 3CR's First Nation broadcasters will bring you black and deadly news, views and music from activists around the country. For more information, check out 3cr.org.au and yeah, have a deadly Invasion Day.
across in steepy hills and valleys I heard the sadness in a requiem I've been moved watching something that's been suffering be it humankind or any living thing from the fury of the storm that old parched ground is reborn and the desert's bloom Satisfy King I've been moved by the tireless sea of churning or them scarlets of an inland dusk. Oh, when a close friend has died. Shoveled in the dust 